This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. South Africa, not saying I'm an African born and moved to another country. I've been living my, in South Africa. I'm born there, bred there, trained there. My team is in Africa. My team is in South Africa. I'm, I'm, my coach is South African. My teammates are all African. And you know, this is a great opportunity for me to step up and fight on the biggest scale in the world and to talk about things. I mean, uh, South Africa is going through so much. Uh, if you look at a political starter, uh, we have four murders that's, that's really taking the whole country by storm. It's, it's, it's something unbelievable. People are getting murdered daily and it's really, it's almost like, uh, I feel because it's Africa, a lot of the world doesn't see it. And it's like, nobody in the world really knows what's going on there. And I just want to shout out to, to South Africa, to my South African people, the folks, and say, guys, stay strong. Uh, we can we can beat this battle. And I just, I just, I just get this opportunity on the biggest stage in the world to say, let's stop the four murders. And I want the world to see what's happening in South Africa. And it's such a beautiful country. It's really one of the most beautiful countries in the world that's being ruined by, 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 by stuff like this. And we don't need that. And let's stick together as a country. Let's stick together as humanity. And, and let's beat this thing. Man, what a way to start the week. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. And uh, it is an absolute pleasure uh, to be joined by the man you saw in that uh in well in the in those clips Drickus Stolnox Duplessis I love that I love that nickname Stolnox <laughs> Morning yeah, Drickus man. Morning man good to be here <laughs> I got to tell you um you are probably the the most well-built guy ever to be on my show so i think we'll we'll approach this with caution <laughs> oh, well i mean that's a great compliment thank you <laughs> um so yeah so we're probably gonna have a bit of a female a female driven audience but listen yeah so <laughs> um let's let's start where i like to start with my guests you've got a cup of coffee i know you've got a cup of coffee do you drink instant coffee or do you drink real coffee well i mean uh i drink instant <laughs> coffee from time to time mostly but uh <laughs> i do uh, i do have a, a dolce machine uh, that i use in espresso so, ah good stuff i mean that is that's that's the better one i mean to have a to have a to you know just the the time it takes to for the all i drink a whole lot of coffee so every time i'm gonna have to make a proper cup of coffee that's gonna be that's gonna be super hard. So, <laughs> I mean, my favorite coffee is I, I, we have in Seattle right by the gym, so I yeah. spend a whole lot of uh, time and money in Seattle. Tell me something just quickly before we get into any technical thing. Are you allowed to drink coffee before a fight? Yes. So, I mean, obviously, there's there's they test us for a whole mm. lot of things, but I mean, elevated levels of of, of caffeine. Yeah. Like you're gonna 
have to drink a whole lot of coffee before it becomes a, a, a situation where you can get tested positive for it. But yeah, I drink. I mean, especially in fight camp, coffee is basically yeah the one thing that gets you through. I mean, through the diet, through all the. I mean, yeah, without coffee. Okay, Drickus, um, you are um, not just a, a an MMA fighter. Okay, let's just quickly. Let's just quickly clarify something. What is the difference between MMA and UFC? Now, listen, MMA and UFC, a lot of people like to think there's a difference. MMA is the sport. So, I mean, mm. if you look at rugby and you see curry cups, so that, then that's basically asking what's the difference between rugby and curry cup. Ah, so right. It is the sport is MMA. The sport is MMA. The UFC is the biggest organization in the world. And uh, they, the sport is MMA. So that's the sport we're busy with. And UFC is just a promotion. That, right. Uh, I mean, that's the stage you fight on. And you're not just an MMA fighter. You're actually a pretty damn good fighter. You've got, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, 17 uh, fights under your belt with 15 wins. Is that right? Yes. And six exactly. of those are knockouts. Yeah, six knockouts and nine submissions. Yes, that is, that is pretty good going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a great career this far and very young age i started uh, fighting professional at 19 yeah and uh yeah i mean i'm 26 now so i mean i have time on my side and just building the career until i mean i finally signed with the ufc now mm. and that's always been the dream so and when you when you started your your yeah, entrance into ufc was what four four wins in a row uh well that was efc that was the local based promotion efc extreme fighting championships so yeah, I went four and zero, oh, and then I fought for the EFC title the first time, which I lost. Uh, and then I went on another what? Streak. I won the belt. I won the title eventually mm. when I was 22. Uh, then I fought for the second belt, the one that I previously lost. I won that belt. Then I went over to KSW. Uh, I was on a 10 fight win streak, five years unbeaten. And uh, I won the third bout, and mm. uh, I mean, I lost that bout eventually. And then I, I mean, then I finally signed the UFC now in uh, October. Okay, well, let's go back a little bit. Tell me about your upbringing. Uh, you you come from Pretoria. Uh, well, I mean, I've been living in Pretoria since after school. I came to Tux to, to study, and earlier I was talking. Uh, I mean, I was. Uh, kind of chasing the rugby dream in, in the beginning of uh, directly off to school. And uh, yeah, I, I was t- a student at Tech, so I moved from Hartfield Stewart. That's where, where, uh, that's where I went to high school. That's where my parents are from. That's where we lived. So I moved from Hartfield Stewart um, to, to Pretoria and I've been living here for seven years now. And uh, how, did you, how did you get into fighting? So you said you wanted to play rugby. So you obviously enjoy sports and contact sports. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I started getting into fighting. Well, I mean, I was the first of my family to really do fighting as a sport. Like, we've always been involved in it. So I started judo when I was five years old. Uh, I did that for five years because my brothers were very good at it. So I'm the youngest of three. And they all did judo. So, I mean, I, I just tagged along and also did it. So, I mean, I competed in judo for five years. But I was five years old when I started until I was 10. Then I, I picked up wrestling. I started wrestling for two years. Uh, I mean, it was never the plan to become a professional fighter. It was just, I mean, I was any sports. I, I did a whole lot of sports. Anything you can think of. I did athletics, I did rugby, I did cricket, I did everything. 
And I mean, uh, as an outside of school sport, wrestling, judo, all that stuff, I just always enjoyed it and competing. So, I mean, I did that for two years and then I started kickboxing when I was 14. And I really, I, I, I just fell in love with kickboxing and I became a world champion when I was 18 in kickboxing. And uh, then I, I started really, you know, I started seeing fighting as, as something I, I could do for the rest of my life. Never really thinking it would get to the point where I'm a, a professional fighter, a career fighter, like that's my job. Mm. And uh, I started MMA because I knew to make money, that's the only sport to go to. And I mean, I always loved MMA because that's the ultimate fighting sport. And I started that at six months after high school, I made my professional debut and I studied uh, uh, the rugby dream died a little bit because uh, I was uh, I was a signed player. I was uh, uh, my studies would have been free. I would have, you know, you know, got a full scholarship for rugby to touch mm. and uh, you know, I just felt like being a career rugby player sounds great, but I honestly don't think I can give up the dream of fighting because if you go professional either one, you have to let the other one go. You can't be professional two sports. No, I understand that. I honestly just said, listen, in my heart, I feel I can let rugby go, but I can never let fighting go. I just love it mm. too much. I made that decision. I was still an amateur. I was still paying to fight. I didn't get money to fight. I, I, I mean, there was no way. I mean, that was something to think about. All I knew was, I don't know how I'm going to make the rest of my life. I enjoy it so much. Yeah, and because it's full contact, um, there's an added there's an added degree of aggression to it. I mean, you 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 you're literally punching and kicking somebody, um, and so this this is awesome testosterone release that that just comes out of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the one thing about fighting that I believe so many people. That's why so many people watch it. I mean, UFC right now is the most watched sport in the whole world. It's nothing to compare to that. It's the fastest growing sport for five years running. The reason is I do believe is that it's the most primal. It's probably it's the first sport that there ever was. Mm. Uh, because, I mean, people have been fighting each other for since the beginning of time. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, fighting people, a lot of people that might be a little bit barbaric or, you know, but, I mean, it's one of the most disciplined sports in the world. Yeah. There's, there's no, yeah. nothing barbaric about it. It's so, it's so regulated. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people would, would consider us fighters, and I don't really like that term. I'm not a fighter. I'm an athlete just like anybody else. Right. I train three times a day. It's so much discipline. It's, I mean, it's, it's really a, a, such a, a it's 100%. It's, and, and I'm being a fighter has nothing to do with it. I'm, a, I'm an athlete that's... Uh, you know, it gets my body in the best shape that I possibly can to mm. to compete against somebody else. And I mean, that's the most primal sport in the world. And that's since the beginning of time. If you look at the gladiators, the, yeah. the crowds are always full because people just love that. I mean, yeah, you you're a modern a gladiator, game, for example, 100 percent. And if you look at that, like people from the beginning of, well, I mean, if you look at rugby, I mean, people are watching rugby. The suspense would kind of die down a little until two guys grab each other on the field. And all the attention would and be everyone's on that watching. TV because it's just it's just something about it. It's just so primal that I mean, I guess that's a that's that's human nature right there. Yes, um, but I also just want to add. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not going in there with a hatred of your opponent. You're going in there in the in the spirit of the sport. I mean, you'll still have a drink afterwards together, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think. I mean, you're not getting along with every single of your mm. opponents, but I mean, I can. I can really tell you that most of my opponents, 
for me, there's, it's never ever personal when I, mm. when I fight. Never ever. I'm never in a position where I, I hate my opponent or I want to kill my opponent. Or, it's never like that. For me, it's all about myself. It's uh, about my accomplishment and you know, me going out there and, and doing what I practice and letting all my hard work you know, get me a victory. It's, it's never personal. I don't want to hurt my opponent. Mm. That's never the mission. mission is to win friends when I step in there. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to beat him, but it's never personal. After the fight, I mean, we I want to win, but it's never personal. It's it's just it's just your connection uh, was just getting a little bit broken yeah. up there, um, yeah, but you you are back. Yeah, you are back. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, like like I said, it's 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 really it's never personal. It's mm. literally it's business when you step in there afterwards with friends yes yeah i mean and it's part of the sport but i want to ask you a couple things now right so treat me and my audience as if we are five-year-olds explain to me now how the how the system works all right so you 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 have different weight categories you are what uh uh middleweight middleweight yes now i was welterweight and middleweight champion and right now i'm just competing at middleweight okay right so how do the categories so work Okay. Yeah, so uh, fighting a 60 kilogram guy, I'll, I'll just throw him around in there. Mm. So basically, how it works is you have uh, the male that's under 57 kgs, then you have bantamweight that's under 61 kgs. So the under that's to wait the day before the fight. Then you have uh, the featherweight at 66 kilograms. You have the lightweight that's under 70 kilograms. The welterweight that's 77, where I previously fought. And where I fight now is at 84 kilograms. And under 93 kilograms, that's light heavy. And above 93, it's heavyweight. Right. And you wouldn't do very well against guys that are above your weight category, or, 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 or would you? I mean, right now, just before the UFC signing, uh, I was challenging for the. For, I would. I was preparing for a fight in the UFC for the light heavyweight belt as well to fight for a third weight division belt. So, you know, my my average is 95 kilograms. That's why I walk around that when I'm, when I'm not waiting for the fight, and I have to dive down up to 85. So, I mean, naturally, I walk around even heavyweight. I walk around two weight divisions above my my fight weight. Sure. Okay, right. and. And 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 I mean, of when course, you're the world, that's the UFC. Yeah, sorry, man. I it's just that the the, the connection keeps breaking, so it sounds as if you stopped talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's. Sorry, I got I got thrown there by the connection. Right. So you got the different weight categories. Now, in order for you to move around the categories, you literally have to eat more or eat less. I'm guessing. Yes, 100%. I mean, it's all about the diet. The diet is so important because, I mean, when I went down to fight at 77, that's 17 kilograms of my natural weight that I have to lose to get to the weight. So that's a, that's a big diet. So what, yeah, that was terrible. What is your diet on average? I think everybody would love to know. Yeah, I mean, out of camp, uh, the, the big advantage I have is I, I'm not, I don't have a sweet tooth, never had, even as a, as a kid. I've always enjoyed fruits and I never really like too much sweets. Uh, I mean, candy, all that stuff. I'm not a big fan. Uh, the big problem for me comes in you know, eat a cow if I'm eating. 
so when it comes to diet, it's all about portion control and you know keeping it balanced. So trying not to cut too much carbs because that's a big mistake people do. They eat, they they cut carbs completely and just protein and some fat and you know you need carbs to fuel yourself and. For me, getting a balanced diet, being balanced, and that's 100%. People are always very uh, specific. They want specific diets. And I'm honestly like, guys, I don't eat specific diets like that. When I was at welterweight, I literally had a dietitian who gave me a diet, and I had to follow that to the T because mm-hmm. you lose 70 kilograms and still be able to perform at your best. Like, if that's, that's, some, that's something crazy. It's, mm-hmm. I don't, you can't eat anything out of place. But, I mean, that was unhealthy for me. It was... At a stage, it became dangerous. That's why I stopped fighting at that division completely. <clears throat> but and by the way, you know, it's just you know getting in less calories than you burn, but eating a, a balanced diet and trying to keep it as healthy as possible. And you know, after a fight, I go crazy. <laughs> mm. I just eat whatever I want. <laughs> and so eat. Uh, you know, I, I, I just uh, I get back to you know, it's all about performance for me. So I'm yeah. training two times a day. So for me to be able to perform in the gym, I need to feel my body correctly. Yes. So if you're eating trash, you're going to feel like trash when you train. How do you prepare for a fight? What are some of the things you do from not just eating, but like mental? I mean, excuse me, I'm guessing there's a huge psychological element here. Absolutely. Um, mm. And I think that's one point where a lot of fighters, especially, especially locally, because the sport's young locally, People misjudge the, the mental the mental part of that goes into the sport. It's uh, it's extremely extremely. I think seventy percent. I think seventy percent of the fight is won before the fight, and yeah. uh, what your mentality is going in. Because listen, if you go to training, my training is always harder than any fight's ever been. Uh, the sparring in the gym, it's 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 you're fighting five guys every two minutes. You're getting new fresh guys. When you're fighting in, in, in an actual fight, you're fighting one guy that gets just as tired as you do. And I mean, it's a, the training is where they hit you. I've never been injured in a fight, really injured. But in training, all my injuries I've ever gotten was in training because that's something you do every day. And the next day, your body is so sore because you just got kicked in the body four times yesterday and now you have to go back. And that's where the mental part comes in to, to stick through that and... You know, there's so many other things that people don't consider. You can't just go hard all the time. People are like, just push through, push through. No, it's all about recovery as well. If you don't recover, you're going to go into the fight overtrained, and that doesn't help at all. Yeah. So I guess from a mental standpoint, you just have to know what you're fighting for. You have to know what, what it is you, you want out of this. If you're doing this for money, if you're doing this for, for the glory, if you're doing it to be famous, whatever those other reasons can be, it's going to be... You're going to have a very short run at being a professional fighter. It's, there's no way the money, especially in the beginning of your career, when you're building yourself up to, to get into the UFC, especially being a South African, you're not going to make a living from, mm. from being a fighter unless you are the champion. To be a full-time fighter, it's, it's so hard, especially if you're from South Africa and you're fighting locally. No, it's just not, the sport is just not as big yet in, in South Africa as it is in, in the world. So to make a, a living out of fighting is... You truly have to have the passion for it. And, I mean, that's what's helped me all this time is the love for the sport and the accomplishment. That's what I've always been doing this. I want to be the greatest of all time and I've always wanted to be that. So in, in one thing and that's fighting. So the mental, you have to have that bigger purpose and that's my purpose and that's what's always pushed me. Even though I'm tra- injured, even though training is hard, fight camp's hard, to go to every session. The other thing is, well, you're your own boss. 
So nobody's telling you to, you have to go train. Nobody's telling you you have to eat correctly. Nobody's telling you you have to do the extra work. It's all on you. You can do it if you want, but it's all going to show on fight. That's, that's, I mean, that's ultimately what's going to happen. So, I mean, for me, when I step out there to fight, I want to be in perfect condition. I want to be the best me that to walk out to the cage. And that's, that's what drives me to, to train as hard as I do and to, to be in the best shape that I possibly can comes fight night. I think what you just said there is is so inspirational. <clears throat> there's this there's this passion and love that comes first. Hundred percent. You know you're quite right. You know people who just want fame and glory, they'll find shortcuts and ways to cheat and everything simply so they can get there, and they end up they end up shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the fame and the fame and glory is so it's so. Temporary, if you can, if you can look at it that way. Because look, I can be as famous, and people can say, "Listen, I'm a great fighter, and how awesome was this UFC victory?" But if in my next fight I have a terrible performance, I get knocked out in one round or anything like yeah. that, people only remember you as good as you were your last fight. Yeah, that's unfortunately so. As soon as I lose or I, I put on a terrible performance, nobody's going to remember all the great performances. Mm. Everybody remembers the, the terrible performance. So what it's about is. Be consistent and consistently putting up great fights, yeah. consistently winning. Consist- and there's only one way. The, the glory of a fight, winning a fight is kind of short-lived. I mean, for me right now, this is the biggest fight of my career. I just won, so I'm still a bit in the clouds. And, but I mean, that, that victory and the, the glory of that one fight is short-lived. It's, it's not something that's good. You can't base your whole career on one win. It's uh, unfortunately, two weeks from now, everybody's going to forget about that win. And people are going to say, when's the next one, when's the next one? And they're going to watch the next one. And if I don't perform in that next one, I mean, there you go. That's what people are going to think. They're going to say, listen, okay, well, he did great in his first fight, but I mean, he's not that good. So, I mean, that's also the kind of pressures that you have to deal with. And you have to realize that that's the fact. But for me, like we said, that's not why I do this. It's not for the glory and the fame. It's for my Mm. own personal glory. My own personal glory is to be consistent and give it my all to be the greatest to ever do this. Well, I mean, you, you, I can tell you right now, you've got a lot of people right behind you. Um, Tommy Drickus, what is, what is MMA? Obviously, everyone knows that it's basically anything goes, but I'm sure there are rules. Yes, absolutely. I think a whole lot of people. So when you say MMA, a lot of people will be like, MMA, what's that exactly? And they'll immediately go, I hate this term, just for the record. Oh, like cage fighting. And I'm like, ah, oh. yes, okay, we do fight in a cage, but it's, <laughs> it sounds terrible if you say it that way. <laughs> I like, to, I refer to it as a hexagon or the octagon. I don't refer to it as a cage ever because, I mean, that sounds barbaric and brutal and that's not what it is. The cage is literally there for the safety of the fighters because we can wrestle. And I mean, if you're doing it in a ring, everybody's going to fall out, out and, I mean, you're going to go through the ropes, definitely. So... I mean, that's, that's the purpose of the cage only. You're not getting locked in there and you have to fight or death, like a lot of people might think. Um, but that would be awesome. That, exactly. I mean, I mean, that would be one thing. I mean, that's, that's where it comes from, I guess. But, okay, so let me explain it like this. So, back in the day, you had Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is only submissions and grappling, and you could take the guy down and choke him. You can put him in an arm lock, you put him in a leg lock, and... That's, that's one era sport. That's a very old sport that originated in Japan, went to Brazil where the UFC started. And then you had boxing, then you had kickboxing, you had K1. And everybody was like, well, which style is the best? 
you had wrestlers, mm. which style the best, and that's where the sport came from. It was basically they said you fight whichever style you are great at. No matter in the beginning of the UFC days, the rules were very limited. They didn't need to wear gloves. It was it was basically just a everybody do whatever you want. Mm. And um, obviously, as the sport grew in the past 30 years, the rules came more apparent. And, and but it was basically just to see which style of fighting is superior. And uh, in the beginning, the wrestlers just in the beginning of the UFC, wrestlers just took over. Then, in the then the jiu-jitsu guys came in, and they just everybody that went to the floor just got choked out because nobody knew jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, uh, the guys with the stand-up, they just they were just knocking guys out because now you only know the ground game. If you can't get the guy to the floor, now you're getting knocked out. And that's the way MMA started developing mixed martial arts, which means whichever style you are most comfortable in fighting, use it and see if it's superior or not. So then basically what happened was people started training MMA and that's where I'm at now. I'm the next generation and there's been a few generations before me, but that doesn't really come from a single combat base. So I'm not a boxer turned MMA fighter. I did kickboxing and I did and wrestling, which is multiple arts. But if you look at my record, I'm a, I'm a striking, I'm a world champion in, in kickboxing, but most of my wins have come by submission on the ground. And that's oh, how yeah, MMA okay. developed to be the sport it is today. Is not, it's, it's developed into uh, its own style of fighting. It's not, I'm not a kickboxer versus grappler anymore. It's an MMA fighter versus MMA fighter. For me, it doesn't matter where the fight goes. Whether it stays standing and we're kickboxing, whether it goes to the floor and we're grappling or we're mm. wrestling. I'm trained in all these areas and I'm, I train all these areas every single day. And that's how the development of MMA as a, as a sport has come to where the UFC is today, where everybody can grapple, everybody can, can wrestle, everybody can do stand-up. And I mean, that's what, what makes it the ultimate sport, because no matter what great boxer you are, you can be the greatest boxer in the world. If you fight me, I promise you, you are not going to survive a minute. Because what's going to happen, I'm probably going to kick your legs, I'm probably going to kick you in the head. If that doesn't work, I'll take you to the ground and I will murder you there. Like there's nothing a boxer can do on the ground. He doesn't have any clue what's happening there. Mm. Then you could say, okay, what about a wrestler? This wrestler only does wrestling. So he can take you to the floor, but he doesn't know anything about chokes. No, he doesn't. And he doesn't know, you know, he's wrestling, but his hands are down. So he doesn't, he doesn't care about strikes. I'm going to kick him in the face when he yes. tries to take me down. I'm going to punch him in the face, which, which makes MMA. And that's exactly why I always had the love even though I was a champion, a world champion in, in kickboxing, I always said, well, it doesn't matter if I'm a kickboxing world champion, what if I get a guy that can take me to the floor and he's going to beat me? And I always wanted to say, listen, I'm the greatest fighter in the world. Yes. The greatest combat athlete in the world. And the only way to do that is to be great at all aspects of, of combat sports. So it's very all round. All around. Everything goes. Mm. So I mean, there's elbow strike. Obviously, allowed. There's uh, no biting, there's no scratching, there's no eye pokes allowed, there's no fish hooking in the mouth, there's, there's, a, there's no elbows at the back of, there's no punching at the back of the head or on the yeah. spine, you know, and so, I mean, it's... Are you, have I lost you there? No, sorry. Oh, you're back. Lost you there you're back. Sorry, you were saying? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's, the strikes, you can strike 
with the elbow, you can strike with the mm. knees, which come from Muay Thai. Then you can, I mean, you can, you can basically, you can use whatever weapons you have to be your, to beat your opponent. But you know, there's you're not allowed to kick a guy in the head that's on the on the ground. Right. You know, in the older days, you were allowed to do that. But I mean, that's you know, the the, the sports become more safe because I mean, if I kick you on the head while you're lying on the ground, no man. The, but that's 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 also lousy fighting. Yeah. I promise that absolutely, and I mean, you're gonna. I mean, if I kick you as hard as I can against the head when you're lying on the ground, the chances of you dying is really good. I mean, that's that's a career-ending injury right there. Mm. So I mean, the sport is the ultimate form of 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 barbaric modern uh, modern gladiators. It's still a sport where very few people sustain career-ending injuries. Just like I mean, I would compare it. To just to rugby, insane level as a rugby player gets. Uh, would you say that there's still a, amongst the, the fighters, um, there's, there's a sense of sort of gentlemanly conduct? So, like, for example, you're not going to kick a guy in the jewels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, firstly, you're going to get points deducted. You're not allowed to. If you do it two or three times in a fight, you're going to you're going to lose by a disqualification. But, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's so much respect between the guys. I mean... The amount of respect you have for a guy after you've had a war with him, after you guys just push each other to the ultimate limit. But I've respected uh, my opponents more than, than, than anybody I've ever respected. You know, before the fight, it's all talk and it's all, I mean, I'm going in there to beat this guy. And mm. now I've, I do respect him because he does, because I respect any fighter. To get in there, it's not easy. It's, it's always a hard mental battle and physical battle to get, to get in that cage. But you now there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's sportsmanship and, you know, take your loss like a man, just like you take your win like a man. And uh, I mean, mm. to cheat, to cheat is, is, I mean, you can cheat if you want to, but you're always going to know that. So I definitely, especially in fighters, there's, there's that honor about yeah. warriors. And you know, if you look at martial artists, that's what it's all about, having honor in what you do. You mentioned take it like a man. I have to, I have to, I have to go down this road, my friend. But there's so much media attention around this transgender nonsense um and women and men men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men let's first start with the woman's equivalent um how does women's mma um get received is it is it the same is it uh, are there a lot more rules no listen women in may has the same rule sets as the as the men do Women MMA has become massive over the years. I mean, they had Ronda Rousey as the highest paid athlete in the UFC. But Ronda Rousey isn't a, a woman. Uh, no, Ronda Rousey is 100% a woman. Oh, sorry. Who's the one that isn't a woman? It's the other one. Um, uh, the one who the one who was a guy who wanted to uh, become a woman and then cracked some woman's skull. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, Fox, Felon, Felon, is it Felon Fox or something? I can't remember. I, I heard, I heard about this. Uh, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but mm. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't have male and female athletes in any way, yeah. shape, or form compete against each other. That's going to be, that's going to be ridiculous. But you know, in the UFC, I don't know of any such situation really in the UFC that's happened. And mm. I mean, they're they're keeping a, a great, they're doing great in, in in you know, there's no way. There's no way women can compete against a guy yeah. physically. It's 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 impossible. Yeah. But you know, women's MMA as a, as a whole, you know, there's some girls out there. <laughs> they are insane fighters. Like mm. you you you'll see the women's ch- uh, champion. She's a double division champion, Amanda Nunes. She is a uh, 
killer. I've trained with uh, uh, Valentina Sevchenko. She's the 52 kg women's champion. And let me tell you, if you're a guy that's not a professional fighter, you should not <laughs> take on that that little girl. She will destroy you. She is yeah. incredible. So, I mean, and people love it. People love it. I mean, some of the girls, I mean, if you just look at five years ago, women's MMA was really, because it was just not on the level. I mean, because it's such a male dominant sport. Yeah. Women just didn't get the same kind of attention. But right now, you have girls that are professional fighters who spend just like I do. They spend their whole life just, I mean, you have Olympians, you have mm. world champions that compete in, in the UFC. And listen, those girls can bang. It's, it's ridiculous to see. Yeah, sorry, you're quite right. Um, the, the person I'm thinking of is Fallon Fox. Someone has just corrected me in the comments. And Rhonda, you're right. I did watch a couple of fights with her. She is vicious. She is vicious. I mean, mm. at the end of her career, things didn't go away, but I mean, that was because uh, uh, I think a, a priority has changed. She was unbeaten for, I think, 16 fights, first round finishes. She just destroyed everyone. And then she became a, a Hollywood actor, and mm. obviously, you know, things changed. And yeah. I guess uh, yeah. she didn't have competition for so long. And then when she lost her first time, she just never came back to it. Because, like I said, you know, if you're making millions to, to stay motivated to get punched in the face every day, that's hard. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a second. Getting punched in the face. Um, your face looks pretty intact. So I'm guessing you don't get punched that often in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I try my best to, to it's possible. <laughs> yeah, I really try my, my, my best to avoid every, every single punch. And, you know, I've gotten my scars. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I have these cauliflower ears. You can see pretty oh, yes. good. Yeah, so, I mean, but I mean, that's all part of the therapy and, <clears throat> like I said, I mean, you get your scars as, as yeah. far as uh, fighting goes. Eventually, you're going to get a cut. I've had a few cuts and you know, under the eyes. And but mm. I mean, um, are you allowed to continue fighting this, with this blood? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, there's 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 the doctors, and you know, when the cut becomes like super big, because these guys that the cuts get really like, mm. I mean, split open, fifty stitches if you, if you can say that, Jeez. like your whole. And the reason they'll ever stop the fight is not because of the cut or the blood, like. They'll stop it if you if it impairs your vision. So what the right. doctor will do is they'll stop the fight, look at the if it's not life threatening or like you're not gonna lose your eye, they'll say continue, but they'll ask you how many fingers, all that stuff, just to make sure that you I mean you can't be fighting blind. Like no, of you're course. gonna get good. So I mean it's all about the doctors and the doctors do take in consideration that it's fighting, but you know, blood the fights never stop for blood specifically. Only if the cut is is is, a, is in some way uh Threatening, life-threatening, or uh, it's something that can cause permanent damage. Who are some of your inspirations, aka heroes? Uh, sorry, man. It just—I think there's somebody at the gate. Let me just make sure. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay, we go. Send we send them our regards. <laughs> I will do that. No problem at all. Some of my inspirations. Well, I mean, uh, as as far as as a fighter, the first fighter I ever loved, which is funny, he was a kickboxing champion. His name was uh, Mirko Krokop. He was, uh, he's a Croatian, and he also did MMA. He was a killer, and he, he was, these are guys when I was like 15, 16 years old that I, that I, I checked on YouTube. I, when I saw uh, MMA for the first time, when I was 16, I knew this is what I want to do with my life. I, I loved it. The whole vibe, you know, there's Anderson Silva, who's a legend in the sport. He's somebody that I always looked up to. Then locally, some of my teammates, Leon Maynard, when I, when I met him the first time, 
I saw his fights. I was 15 years old. It was it was the greatest moment. And Mikhail Opperman, he's still one of my teammates. Those were guys, the regional, when the EFC started, they they, they were some of the first fighters. Mikhail was a champion. Leon was a champion. Mm-hmm. And those all teammates of mine. And those are guys that I, I really looked up to, even some of my opponents. I mean, there was Soldier Boy, who I fought. Uh, I was a massive fan before we became rivals. And, uh, I mean, we're still friends. There's uh, Darren Daniels, who was a brilliant fighter. I mean, all these guys, I had posters of, of them on my wall. Donovan Hawkey, I mean, he was an absolute legend in the sport. And, you know, after when I started becoming a pro, I, I had to compete with these guys. And, mm. you know, that was, a, that was a big honor for me to fight against uh, previous years of mine. So where did the, the, the nickname Stillnox come from? So as a, as a K1 fighter, kick, K1 kickboxing fighter, I had a record of 33-0. and 0. So uh, 33 wins, zero losses with 30 knockouts. As a kickboxing fighter, just say that again. That's incredible. Uh, 33, yeah, 33 wins as a kickboxer with no losses and uh, 30 knockouts. Of, of that my is unbelievable. So, yeah, I had a great run as a kickboxer. Unfortunately, the sport was just not as big as MMA. Yeah. So you can't be a professional kickboxer and make a living out of it. So that's why MMA was the was the next. Well, they shouldn't have called you still knocks. They should have sleeping for. Yeah, they should have called you Floyd. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. No, my brother, he came up with the, he came up with the nickname, and because as soon as I saw uh, the the EFC wanted a fight name, and I was like, I don't have a fight name, mm. and my brother came up with this name, and I mean, it stuck, and I actually liked it quite a bit, and now that's the nickname, and it's always been. So I mean, it's it's it's, it's, what? it's something my brother came up with, and it's quite quite applicable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's actually it's a pretty cool name. It runs it rolls off the tongue quite yeah. nicely. But Tommy's yeah, like exactly. I mean, you've you've had 17, 17 fights, fifteen wins. What, what have been some of your great moments, like just off the bat? My greatest moments, uh, obviously, my UFC debut, the last one, was mm. was the biggest moment of my career by far. Winning that with the first round knockout, I mean, it couldn't have gone better for me. Mm. Then, um, definitely winning my first UFC title, fighting. Mm. Um, fighting Martin Van Staden, who's one of the guys I, I watched him fight. I took photos with him at my first EFC event when I was 16 years old. Wow. And uh, I won my, my, my first title against him at EFC sure. 50. And that was six years after that we took that photo. We had, I had the photo where I took with him, I took with him you know, as we competed. And that's a, just a, such a cool memory to have. And, it was a, being the youngest EFC champion was was amazing. So I mean that first title was, will always be a, a great moment in my career. Then uh, fighting Yannick Bahadi for the for my second belt and becoming two belts in two weight divisions at the same time to have a, a to be a double division champion. Was the, I made yeah. history that I was the first guy and and all. The biggest organization, the third biggest organization in the world. And uh, uh, my first fight for them was for the belt. And I was fighting uh, in, in, in Poland. A uh, massive 30,000 crowd was the biggest sure. crowd I've ever seen. And I mean, going in there, nobody even knows who I was. I mean, I'm from Africa and this is a Polish organization. People only speak Polish. It's, and the champion, they, he's, he's such a dominant champion. The, the crowd was just little. I went in there and I knocked dead for the second round. That's incredible. How how did that feel? 
that was, that was crazy. Like, you know, 30,000 people all screaming my opponent's name. And, you know, when I knocked him out, that whole place just went so Wow. Sheesh. What a, what a feeling I mean, that must 30,000 people. Yeah, I mean, the pressure was insane to go <laughs> fight there, fighting a, fighting a local guy in, in Poland. It's, it, it was crazy. So, I mean, but like you said, it's uh, one of those fights. The pressure was so hard on me that uh, the victory was so sweet. That, that, that's got to be the top moments in my career. What does a knockout mean, technically? Well, I mean, you have, if you go and go, slash TKO. So knockout, being, there's not really a difference, but I guess I can call it technical knockout means you were in a position where if the ref didn't stop the fight, you weren't completely unconscious yet, mm -hmm. but you would be if the ref didn't stop the fight. So I'm punching you and you're not moving. I'm punching you, I'm creating a lot of damage. I'm really, you know, but you're just not going unconscious yet. So the ref is basically protecting you from going unconscious because that's, obviously you don't want to go unconscious unnecessarily. So that means I have you, in the, I'll punch you, I'll give you three, punch you in the face and you're on the floor and you're, you can't defend yourself. Like you're not really blocking the shots. And even if you just put your hands on your face, that's not really intelligent in mm. landing massive shots and the ref will basically save you and say listen fight's over you're going to get hurt if he punches you any longer that's how technical so the ref would say defend yourself defend yourself you know improve your position final warning and then you'll stop the fight so as a guy laying the bottom and getting punched the ref gives you a warning listen you have to start defending yourself okay final warning improve your position and defending yourself you can't just be going like this, putting your hands on your face because that's not intended. You have to improve your position. Get to a position where I can't punch you square in the face anymore. Or what happens a lot of times, you can drop a guy, you can hit him with a, with a shot and he falls down, but he's not completely unconscious. But the follow-up shots, I can immediately jump on you and start punching you in the face. So to finish the fight. And you know, when you are rocked like that, you know, you, you're off balance, you don't know where you are. And I'm hitting you two, three hard punches after that. And you're off, like you, you really, you know, if the ref didn't stop the fight, mm. you're going to be unconscious in the next five seconds. So they, they minimize the damage by saying, listen, well, fight's over. So that's a, a, a technical knockout, so, which still counts under the knockout. And then the knockout, a clean knockout, completely unconscious. Right. Sorry, I, yeah, the connection just dropped a little bit there, but I did get what you were saying. Um, and then, have you had, Drikus, any hairy moments? Like, for example, someone asked in the comments, have you ever uh, uh, worried about actually killing somebody uh, or you being in some sort of hairy moment? Have you, have you had any, any strange moments that were not particularly going according to plan? In, in a fight? Yeah, or, I su yeah, I suppose in a fight yeah. or something related to fight. Well, I mean, you know... That's, that's, a, that's a very interesting part that people don't realize, and I believe that's what mindset changes in this game. You know, even though there's so many rules, it's, it's very regulated, and mm -hmm. you most probably, you know, there's, there's, the ref is there to protect you. There's a whole lot of protective, but at the end of the day, you are still being hit. If I kick you square in the face, I mean, there's, there's a big chance that, you know, there's a big chance that you're going to get multiple uh, concussions in a fight. Just because you, you drop me, when my brain, when you get me, I'm almost completely unconscious. 
and you know, and you know, the guy jumps in and starts punching you, and you just get a little bit of consciousness back, and I can grab you and stop you from hitting me right now, or you are tired, or whatever. I'm going to recover from that a little. Like I'm going to feel, I'm going to get to a place where I can stand up again and fight further. Like I can, and that's where wars come from. When guys get dropped like that two, three times in a fight, that means you're getting multiple concussions in one fight. And the the, the effect of that is 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 long term. I mean, there's there's consequences for that. And it's that's why I mean, health wise. People are doing everything they can for the brain health and you know, mm-hmm. making sure you don't get too many hits and making sure you, you don't take multiple concussions and you recover properly after a concussion. But then the other question comes in, before the killer instinct you need to have and the total disregard for your opponent, uh, the total disregard of what happens to him happens to him. I mean, you know, that's, it, sounds, it always sounds so, you know, it sounds crazy because I don't go in there with the, with the purpose of killing my opponent ever. I don't even go in there with the purpose of hurting my opponent. I go in there with the mindset that I'm, I'll do anything I have to to win this fight. And, uh, you know, what the mindset I have when I go into a fight is if I die in this fight to, to win this fight, I'm willing to do that. And if I have to kill my opponent to get that win, I'm willing to do that. And with that being said, that's not at all what, what what I what I want to have want to want the the outcome of the fight to be, but you have to have the mindset that that's what you're willing to do and that's how mm. far you're willing to go to get a win because it's a very competitive sport and you know like I said it's win or die trying for me, you know to do everything I have to to win that fight. Well, how's this for a cool segue? But you're talking about fighting in the ring, but there's also another fight that's going on and. Uh, you uh, caused a little bit of a ruckus in the media when you spoke out about farm murders. Now, I told you just, just before we went live that I was at a Black Monday uh, farm murder protest yesterday. Um, so we are on the same page here. Tell me, tell me about what led you to, say, to saying that, firstly, at, you know, on the platform that you had. You know, so obviously just before I signed the fight and just before the, the fight happened, the whole situation about farm murders and I started spiking and you know I, the news every day it just gets worse and worse and so many people it's 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 sort of becoming you just think that people have such disregard for another person's life that mm. you know and people even that bad it only happens like once a day or twice a day and I'm like how is that not so bad how is that not so bad and you know a lot of people were giving me some flack on, on social media and said that my comments were racially motivated and it's never been. Uh, I, I never said anything about, uh, it's not about white farmers or black farmers. It's never, ever, it doesn't matter. It's about human lives. It's about the brutality of the way that these farm murders are happening. It's about not, it's, it's way past the point that it's about hunger or they're not stealing these these people aren't stealing to get food in their mouth. They're not stealing to, you know, to look out for their families. It's not because mm-hmm. of poverty. It's not. It's so brutal. It's it's. You can see there's it's hate crimes. There's, yeah, there's I mean, hate crimes. Brendan Horner. Uh, exactly. I mean, how can you say that was for anything else than 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 the hate for another human being's life to do with with getting food in your mouth? Say what you will for me. That's just a 
pushing itself. I I had the opportunity in these times that that you know with the whole coronavirus, we mm. so many people, um, so many sports and live sports and everything was taken away from us, and I, I just had the opportunity. And this thing came over. It's in my. It's happening in my country with my people. I know people who yeah. do this. It's me too. And um, so I knew the whole country was watching, and I knew the whole world was watching, and. I spoke to my dad before and I said, I don't know if I'm going to say anything because, I mean, obviously I have to win the fight first because before I can say anything or I have to, the opportunity has to be there. I can't be saying that when they ask me, sir, how was your first UFC experience? I can't mm. be blabbering on about farm. It, it wouldn't make sense. And the one reporter asked me, is there any message from my country for, for my fellow South Africans? And I mean, that was the opportunity I looked for and that was the, 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 the greatest opportunity I had. And it felt like, you know, so many eyes on me and so many support I've been getting from my countrymen from the whole of South Africa. You know, that was that was my duty and my responsibility as a as a as a influence, uh, somebody that that's has all eyes on him of the world and my country to, to say something. And, you know, basically it was more word of motivation to to my fellow countrymen that we can beat this thing. It's the the it's one it's one rotten apple in the whole bunch. And, we can beat this thing like we've beaten so many things before. Yeah. I think it's great what you're doing. And I really hope, and I can tell you right now that most of those in my audience will agree with me here when I say, I hope you continue speaking out on, on the platform that you have. It's a, it's, it's, um, it's a great opportunity to, to spread the word. I mean, you know, when I was at that uh, uh, Black Monday march yesterday, you know, it was so emotional. It was so emotional. The stories, you know, the brutality, as you rightly pointed out, is something that's out of this world. You know, this this is this is something that is it's mind boggling how the powers that be just want to downplay it. So I I salute you and I'm sure my audience does as well. And um, I think I think you're doing a great job. But but you have to keep winning. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. No pressure. Otherwise, the people aren't going to be listening. No pressure. No pressure. No. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that I can make a difference. If I made any difference, and uh, if I if I motivated one person through this, and you know, gave one person, they still believing in this beautiful country that we call mm. home, then uh, I was successful in my in my approach. If I just informed one person outside of our country to maybe take a look into what's happening, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I think I was I was successful at saying what I said, and mm. that's that's the only thing I can do. Is, I mean, there's nothing really more than that I can do. I yeah. just have the platform. I have the I have the ability and responsibility to stick up for my people and my country. And tell me something, um, are you a bit of a bit of a hardachat outside of the ring? I mean, do you do you cause bar fights? Ah, no, 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 <laughs> no. <at all>. Like <laughs> you know, so many people would say that. People are honestly people. Think, oh, this is tricky. He's such a scary guy, and I was like, guys, I promise you, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a badass guy. Like, if you look at at, at, at so many at, at that the term cage fighter. Yes. When you see me outside of the of the ring, you would, I, I don't think anybody would. Ever oh, say are you are, a, are you saying I'm that you're a, a teddy bear? Fighter. I don't. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that, but you know, for me, it's you know, so many people, people would say, listen. In a bar, a guy comes up to you and he's looking for a fight and you fight him. I'm like, guys, just understand one thing. 
I'm training three times a day to punch people in the face. I get punched in the face. I'm fighting every single day, six days a week. The last thing I really, the last thing I want when I go out to, to have some fun is, is to get into another fight. I'm tired. I'm tired. Like, basically, after a hard week of training, you'll probably beat me. I saw the long weeks trading that, you know. So, I mean, that's that's really, at the end of the day, what it's about. Like, it's it's my sport. It's not... I'm not a I'm not a guy that goes out and, and causes trouble at all. Um, it's a guy called Ice in the comments. He he's always got a question saying, "Is Drickus in Seattle for training camp? I rate that he should rather go train in Nevada, Texas, or Florida." Well, uh, my I'm no I'm I'm in South Africa training. So, um, but you know I do my train I go training in Florida at Sanford MMA quite often. Mm. I'm I'm heading there again in December for a six to eight weeks camp. To train and um, yeah, that's why I usually go train. I'm going to the to Nevada as well. I go to Vegas because uh, they have the UFC Performance mm. Institute there. So uh, that's where I train. Florida when I'm in the states, I train in Florida and I train in uh, in uh, Vegas. Um, okay, now we as as we're coming to the end of our chat, we have to we have to get to the very important questions, Rickus. Okay, so uh, are you in a relationship? Yes, I am in a relationship. Okay, you're not. I'm guessing you're not married. No, I'm not married. Okay, right. No, I'm not married. So, so there's so there's a question coming coming in the comments asking, <laughs> who who wins <laughs> in in your fights <laughs> with your with your girlfriend? Oh, well, actually, I had a I had a great answer for that the other day. I said it's just some fights where you have to know when to throw in the towel and uh, definitely live to fight another day. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one thing. Live to fight another day, man. Some of these fights, I just lose. It, it looks like I've never won a fight in my life. So you're saying your girlfriend is, is quite good with the knockouts? Oh, I mean, geez, but she has those words, man. Much better than I do. Listen, good man. You, these, are the, these are the battles you have to choose very carefully. Exactly. I mean, those are the ones you could... Like, I mean, I, I win my, my fights in the ring, most certainly. But outside of the ring, I mean, there's so many that I lose. I'm so glad that's not on my record. Um, all right, listen, um, it's been a great conversation. I've, I've enjoyed it. We had a few connection gremlins during the conversation, but I think we kind of got through it. Um, I, I think that you are a rock star. I am behind you 100%. Let's quickly talk about your upcoming fights. Where can people find more information about that? And when is your next fight? So, uh, we're busy talking with the USC now. Most of the events for the rest of the year are quite fully booked because they were, uh, they were kind of backlogged because of the corona. Mm. So, they have to give all their athletes a certain amount of fights every year. So, the events are full and it's in the States right now. And I need to get my workers' visa sorted out now. That's why I'm going over again for quite a period of time. The next possible event for me to really fight on will probably be Fight Island again. And we're looking at around February. That's when, when I'll be fighting again. And nothing set yet, but yeah, that's what we're talking about in February. And uh, yeah, follow me on AdricusDiplicy on Instagram, at the AdricusDiplicy page on Facebook, and on Twitter, I'm AdricusDiplicy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly busy there, uh, mm. showing progress in the fight camps, giving all the news that, that fans need if they want to know. I mean, I'm also keeping me up to date with what, what's happening with the rest of, of the MMA world in locally and internationally. My teammates, I uh, have some great teammates that's going to be on the international stage very soon. So yeah, give me a follow and uh, I'll keep you all up to date with what's happening. 
I'll um, if I haven't added that information under the video, I'll do that after this video. Um, Drikus, uh, keep up, keep up the passion. I think that's the one thing that's come through from this this conversation more than anything else is the passion, the drive, um, the conviction. I think more people need to be like you. You are definitely an inspiration, mate. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, and thank you everyone for supporting and everybody who watched. I really appreciate it. All right, cool, buddy. Uh, don't go anywhere. Thanks, everybody, for awesome. for listening, watching, um, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. My name is Jim. This was Jim Warfare. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.